Our scripture passage today comes from John chapter 12, beginning in verse 36. Hear God's holy and authoritative word. When Jesus had said these things, he departed and hid himself from them. Though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe in him, so that the word spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Lord, who has believed what he heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe. For again, Isaiah said, He has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they see with their eyes and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said these things because he saw his glory and spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has given me a commandment what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. The grass withers and the flower fades. Amen. You may be seated. As we come to God's word, we need his help. So let us begin with a word of prayer. Uh, Lori, thank you for revealing yourself to us. We thank you for your word preserved throughout the ages that we might believe and confess the true faith. Lord, we need your spirit to illuminate it to our hearts, that it may have its full work in our lives. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Well, if you remember where we were at, if you were with us last week, uh, I'll give you a little bit of recap in case you weren't here. And that was Jesus had just entered Jerusalem, the triumphal entry, perhaps a image you remember from a Palm Sunday service in the past. He had come in riding on a donkey. The crowd had sang Hosanna to him. Oh, save us. And we're told that the people didn't really understand. Even the disciples didn't really understand what was going on. Some Greek people show up and they want to see Jesus. And Jesus begins to talk about his death. But there was one big theme we had in mind, and that was glory. Jesus was coming to die so that the Father would be glorified. The Son of Man was going to be glorified. Jesus was going to be glorified through his death, a way that people at this time weren't expecting. And through Christ's death, the Father would be glorified. And he had a call for the people there to participate in that glory, to receive this glory, to be those who walk in the light. They wanted to know how long he was going to remain there. And Jesus said, this, while you have the light, 
Believe in the light that you may become sons of light. It doesn't matter what's going to happen next. Don't be too preoccupied by that. Instead, the light is standing before you and now is the time to believe. And if you believe in me, the light, you will become sons of light. And that imagery of light, this this thrust of God's glory is picked up in our passage today. Jesus had told these things to the people and we're told that he went and he hid himself. And we're told that because even though he did many signs, they still did not believe in him. We see there's a variety of ways in which people begin to respond to Jesus as he is heading to the cross, as he is beginning to reveal more and more about the way in which his kingdom is going to be ushered in. And then before we get too far into the text, I thought it might be helpful for us to ask a question. Why is it that you act the way you do? What are the things that cause us to do the things that we do in our daily lives? I don't know what your email inbox looks like nowadays, but mine is full of statements from ministries and companies and everybody and their mom making statements about everything that's going on. You know, a month and a half ago, it was, this is what we're doing about the coronavirus, and we love our customers, and you're going to come in, and we're going to take care of you, and of course, the news cycle has changed, and now everybody's putting out statements about injustice, and how there's this call to stand with others. One of the critiques, especially in our current news cycle, is that all of the companies that you see, all of the emails you get, they're all the same message, right? But they never felt called to do those things before. It, you know, what was last year's email from Amazon and from Google and from my iPhone and from all of the random emails I get? Something has changed to make those companies act differently. They are responding to pressures in our culture. They want to be seen as involved, as caring. We all act like that. We are all influenced by outside pressures. If you're a child and you will go and do something dumb with your friends and get in trouble, the old adage from your mom might be, if your friends jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge too? Something about the way in which a crowd can influence the way we act. It's part of what's happening in this passage. Jesus had done many things. He is no doubt right there with Lazarus, the man he raised from the dead. And yet people aren't believing. Now there's a spiritual dynamic at play here that we hear about right away in our passage. John here quotes two passages from the book of Isaiah. 
The first is from Isaiah chapter 53. It says, Who has believed that we is, what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? This is the beginning of the passage. You might be familiar with it's called the Suffering Servant chapter. Right after this quotation, it says this, For he grew up before them like a young plant, talking about Jesus, the Messiah, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hid their faces as he was despised, and we esteemed him not. This word from the prophet paints for us the way in which people saw Jesus. They had an expectation of what the Messiah ought to have looked like, but this is how they responded to him when he showed up. He wasn't a pretty man that we should look at him. He didn't look mighty and powerful. Ultimately, he was despised and rejected. People hid their faces from him. This can't be the Messiah. Jesus didn't meet people's expectations, and so that caused them to not believe. Furthermore, John quotes here from Isaiah chapter 6, which is far greater of a problem. It's a passage we've used in our liturgy a few different times. It's this scene where Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe fills the temple. And he cries out and says, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among the people of unclean lips. And the seraphim brings a coal and puts it on his lips and says, Your sin is atoned for. And later on, the Lord is speaking. He says, Who shall go for us? Whom shall we send? And what does Isaiah say? Here I am, Lord, send me. Now, you might have heard this verse. You might have been familiar with that story from a, like a missionary context, right? Here I am, send me. Who wants to be sent for Jesus except for what is the mission that Isaiah is given? The full text here from beginning in chapter 9 or verse 9. Go and say to these people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and blind their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Isaiah's mission, the message he's going to bring to the people of Israel is judgment. He's going to go and proclaim to them God's word. And it's going to make their ears deaf and their eyes dark, and their hearts hard. It's the judgment against the unfaithful people of God as they've rebelled against him over and over, generation after generation. And so part of the reason some of the people standing before Jesus don't believe in them is because they have this judgment, a spiritual condition they can't hear. They can't see. In fact, the more they hear, the more they see, it actually hardens them more and more. Verse 42, though, tells us, nevertheless. Nevertheless. Now, understand, the majority of the people of Israel ultimately reject Christ. 
Many of these people standing here, no doubt, just a few days later will be in a crowd, perhaps influenced by the number of chanting people with them, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, they believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it. So that they didn't get put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. As we think about our ways in which we act, the things that are pressing on us as we make decisions to speak or to not speak, to say this thing or that thing, to be on this side of the debate or that side. I think we can resonate with this sinful impulse that is in all of our hearts. We love the glory that comes from man. No doubt there are companies that are sending out these messages that we referenced earlier that are genuine and sincere. But economics is about money. It's about the glory of man coming into your store. And so they want to be seen in a way that is going to benefit them. They want to be in a good light. So it is for us as well. As we think about what we're going to share on Facebook or not share, we might have pause that this might upset somebody or we have maybe set up our lives in a way in which we are surrounded by other people and, and we can just share things that we know we all agree on and we can just glory in our own agreement. Because we love the glory of man. You know what I wish I could do? I wish I could write an article that gets posted on the Gospel Coalition or whatever website, right? That's not on this side, it's not on that side, it's this third way that, you know, brings everybody together. But you know why I really wanted to write that article? Because I love the glory of man. I want to be the guy who gets it right. We all have these pressures in our lives that cause us to act. These people who believed in Jesus were afraid to confess it because they didn't want to get put out of the synagogue. They're in a dangerous place because if we don't confess our faith, I'm not sure we can have much assurance of our standing in the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 10 says this, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. It's the reason why we have a confession of faith every week, that we stand and we boldly confess with one another what we believe about our Lord. And here we have these men who have believed. 
But they're afraid of being put out of the synagogue, and so they keep their mouths shut. Jesus gives a word of comfort to these people. The last part of our passage today is the answer to the problem that we've been talking about. And really the solution to the sin problem we all have, that we all want the glory of man rather than the glory of God. So we need to understand more fully who Jesus is. I don't know what these people believed about Jesus that allowed them to believe but not confess, to not align themselves with who he was and what he was going to do. But Jesus cries out to them, whoever believes in me, They don't believe just in me, but in him who sent me. And if you see me, you see the one who sent me. Jesus came as light so that those who believe in him wouldn't walk in darkness. There's a great irony in many of John's uh, accounts of what happened here. These people are afraid of being put out of the synagogue. Now, this is happening right before the Passover, right? These people have come to celebrate the Passover feast. They are trying to follow uh, the commands of Moses to remember the Passover feast each year, which would have been a great thing to do, a necessary thing to do if you belong to the people of Israel. They don't want to be excluded from the feast. They don't want to be excluded from the worship of God. They don't want to be excluded from the temple. But what they don't see is that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of these things. The people in Egypt in the last plague, the Passover, were told to sacrifice a lamb and put the blood on the doorposts of their home. And when the, uh, the angel of death came to kill the firstborn sons, it would pass over them. That's what they're remembering. And Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all of the feasts and festivals of the Old Testament, but in particular, this image of the Passover. Remember what John the Baptist said when he saw him walking by? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. They're afraid to be put out of the synagogue because they think that's where true worship is going to be happening. But they fail to realize that true worship is going to only happen through Christ. That the Passover only pointed to him and his death. That it wasn't just a passing over of the firstborn but that his blood would cause the passing over of God's wrath for all of our sin and judgment and death that we deserve. Further than that, the temple, the synagogue, the place where we ought to worship is going to be transformed by the finished work of Christ. 
And his people will become the temple of the Holy Spirit. No longer needing to be in a synagogue here or a temple over there. God will dwell in the midst of his people in a new way. A greater way. Jesus is clear about who he is. He's comforting these people to say, if you believe in me, you believe in the Father. If you see me, you see the Father. If you hear me, you hear the Father. Everything I'm doing, he has commanded me to do. And the commandment that he's given me is eternal life. There's great grace in this passage for us who have sinful hearts, who may be like these people here. I hope that these men who believed and were unwilling to confess, who wanted to wait it out to see how this story played out, eventually confessed Christ as Lord. But see, the death of Christ wasn't just pay for the sins that we committed before. It's not just for the sins you committed before you became a Christian. It's for the sins you commit every day. That when we see that we've been responding because of the pressures of those around us, when we get whooped up into the excitement of a crowd, when we do things so that we can be seen as glorious, when we want to pat ourselves on the back and God convicts us of our sin, Christ has paid for it. We talked a lot in the beginning stage about how bad our sinful hearts are, but the solution here is in Christ the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. My favorite verse probably in all of the New Testament is Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 8, says, God shows his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we were still blinded in our minds, in our hard hearts, while we were still waiting it out, believing but not confessing. While we were pursuing our own glory, Christ came and died. In fact, that is the rest of Isaiah 53. The suffering servant came to be crushed for our iniquities, pierced for our transgressions, that we might have peace with God. As we live our lives this week, as we reflect on this passage, may we see Jesus for who he truly is. Not merely one who is going to help our cause, to bring us glory, but that when we see Jesus, we see the Father. When we hear Jesus, we hear the words of God. When we see Jesus, we see the answer to our greatest problem. And when we see our sin, may we look to him. 
because he's paid it all for us. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of Christ, the Passover lamb whose blood covers us, that we escape judgment. Lord, help us in our time of weakness as we seek glory from men instead of glory from you. Help us to see. Help our eyes to be open and our hearts to be soft. May the words of Ezekiel 36 be true of us. We take our stony heart out and give us a heart of flesh. We pray that your spirit would enable us to live a life before you, seeking your glory, not our own. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.